0: Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I am one of your hosts, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? I am back, bro, from Virginia. (laughs) So yeah, so we had a little bit of a condensed episode last week, so this time we can, I guess, bloat it out. Sure. Or, Or span it out to like nine issues, which is the equivalent of three hours. (laughs) <laughs> so sit back, everyone, and relax, because we're going to be here for a while. Um, how you doing? All right?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Hanging in there. It's been a good week
0: so far. All right. Yeah, I can't complain. We had some some decent readings. So, um, all right, everyone, this is episode 71 of the Indie Comic Review. And uh, we have titles for the week of uh, June 29th and the Year of Our Lord 2022. So yeah, we've got three books, but before we get to that, we're just going to go over some quick news, stuff that people have already heard, because it's it's been a couple of weeks already since it's been out, uh, but we did lose another great one, didn't we?
1: Yeah, dude, this one was tough uh, and sudden, too. Uh, Tim Sale, uh, you know. Young. Um, young, 66, 66, went to the hospital, what, a couple weeks ago, uh, serious illness, no details, two three days later they announced that he had passed away so yeah. real 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 shocker uh especially on top of you know neil adams and george perez and everything else that people are dealing with right now <laughs> it's yeah just, yeah really yeah just a drag to hear you know uh, no. amazingly Oh, sorry. Amazingly talented artist, Um, you know, mainstream success with the Batman Long Halloween and yep. his other work with Jeff Loeb, uh, but really hit it big Uh, from his work on that show Heroes. He was the mm-hmm. de facto artist for that show uh, whenever there were art pieces being shown. Uh, that was Tim Sale. And he was an indie guy. He got started, you know, uh, in the trenches doing, you know, self-published and small press books and and made it big, you know, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's crazy because when you think of artists and I'm thinking it from like my artist eyes set open um, even as a comic fan or, or an art fan in general, um, you know, certain people stick out and uh, in, in, in a world where you have, you know, thousands if not tens of thousands of artists, there's very few that stick out that have their pretty much own style. Um, mm-hmm. And he was one of them. And it's funny because mm-hmm. he was a hit or miss for me. Like there's mm-hmm. some great pieces that like I love the Long Halloween. I, I think that was one of his pinnacle pieces of work. Yeah. Um and then there's times where I look at us like what the fuck is that? But I think that's true with any artist, right? So yeah, they have their ups yeah. and downs, they have where they started, they have their pinnacle and then they have sort of like a decline. They're still doing it, maybe not quite passionate about it, and just kind of turning out what they need to turn out to put food on the table and stuff like that. Not to say that yeah. that's what he was doing, but you know, you just gravitate towards some art and Needless to say, if you look at his art, it's really different when you put it against other people's. So it does stand out. So if you have like artists that we're talking about over the last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Obviously, you have Jack Kirby um, who stands out tremendously because he was all over the place. Mm -hmm. Neil Adams kind of like took these more realistic figures. So where we had really cartoony stuff, uh, almost more cartoon stuff that has brought almost a sense of realism, so that mm-hmm. stood out. And Intense Sale just had these really like angular lines, almost like uh, Mignola, and mm-hmm. they kind of they kind of stand out to me. So they're not by any means the same, but you can see some of the similarities in their style. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's just it's it's bittersweet because you know yeah. it was great, but you know it, it's just sad to lose somebody that you know that was that unique. Mm-hmm. In that sense. You-
1: You make a really interesting point there too, um, because yeah, definitely there's that Mignola. I always saw him as like a mix between Mignola and Matt Wagner as Mm -hmm. far as his style or early Matt Wagner, especially but there's a thing that sort of happens to artists when they when they hit big on a specific style where they really lean into the style. Mm. And a lot of times, and this is, was was one of my issues with Tim Sale because yeah, I didn't love everything that he did mm. um, and I thought his style was unique, but it wasn't, you know, anatomy, the anatomy starts ah. to give way to the style, right? And it happens to a lot of artists. There's some like, you know, George Perez was always like almost like a stickler for anatomy. Correct. Um, i could say alex ross is a stickler for that photorealism, that that anatomy but if you look at kirby you know not only the king of comics but the king of foreshortening you know right uh, the king of force perspective you know um hands bigger than heads because they're reaching out at the reader you know and mm-hmm. tim sale did a lot of the same thing as his mm-hmm. his he evolved and leaned into his style um but and that being said you know the man could lay out a page he could do sequential art like nobody's business he was he was a really good clean storyteller mm-hmm. and he would do these like awesome two-page spreads mm-hmm. of of a scene of a locale um you know like the cityscapes and the long halloween stuff where you um you you look at the uh one of my favorite superman for all seasons you know where he does these beautiful norman rockwell-esque two-page spreads of the porch of the you know the, the kent farm and all the mm-hmm. de- line detail is really tight and beautiful there uh but then yes you get to you know how he draws like Clark Kent's head really big but the face really tiny and that kind of throws right. it off a little bit for you but uh one of my favorite artists even though you know again I didn't love everything he did and he's he will be missed
0: he will definitely be missed yeah well I'm, I'm pretty sure they're playing poker up there and then gonna start drawing some stuff in a little bit right. so yeah um all right yeah I mean uh it's just you know we're getting to a time where you know, sadly, but you know, truthfully, we're going to be losing more and more um, yes. as time goes by. So, treasure them while you can, right now, guys, and, and support as many of them as you can. Um, and, and on that end, you know, support the the up and coming guys as well that really mm-hmm. stick out. So, um, help right, help so.
1: these guys achieve you know the measure of success that some of these icons that have passed. You know, yeah. there's, there's now a gap, right? So nature abhors a vacuum. So.
0: Absolutely. Especially in this day and age where the digital age is just kind of allowing a, a, a flux of stuff to get out there. You know, can anything really stand out? And I think yeah. I think people that are up and coming now have a greater challenge because of how accessible um, everything is now. So, yeah, that's the challenge to the the young and up and comings, Right. How can yeah. you make yourself stand out in the uh, a sea of, of great talent in that respects? Um, on another note. I got to watch uh, the first episode of season three's Umbrella Academy. And Mm. holy shit, what a rollercoaster ride of fun. (laughs) Uh, It's just so good. It's just, it's, it's funny. I mean, I read the first two trades. That's uh, Dallas and uh, what was the Hotel Hotel Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really great. Um, And, you know, saw the similarities from, uh, the first season, but you can see where it kind of straight off, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just so much fun. So uh, I'm only mentioning it because it comes off of a, uh, sort of like a small press indie, um, indie scene kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, now it's mainstream because everybody's kind of seen it, but a lot of people <laughs> don't know. It's it's funny. Like I would say, I, I'm going to throw a number out there and I'm probably coming, just pulling it out of my ass, but I would say more than like, I, I'll go low. I'll low boil it. 30% of what people see, or have seen on TV that didn't even realize that it came from a graphic novel oh, yeah, um, yeah. in some sense or, or none of it because they, most people think the graphic novels or comics are just all superheroes. And right. there's like, now there's like genre and sub genres and sub sub genres of genres, uh, <laughs> right. of comics and stuff like that. And it's funny because one of the comics that we're talking about, or actually two of them actually are not even superhero comics Yeah. Uh, or superheroish mm-hmm. kind of comics. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, if you guys haven't seen it, it's it's funny. It's fantastic. The cast is is wonderful, and it, it has sort of like the recap, and it almost made me want to watch season two again because yeah. that season was great. Did you watch it? Of course no, not. no. And, and
1: I, you know, I confess I have, I've never read the book either. Um, you know, it's funny because when that book came out, it was o- initially it only sold to My Chemical Romance fans because that's the guy, Gerard Way, right? Right. right. It's like, it's like, oh, a musician trying to write comics. We've seen how that's worked out before. Uh, but, uh, you know, he has actually gone on a tremendous uh, writing success in yeah, comics, yeah. and it, it really became a hit. Um, outside of just that niche of his his music fans that were picking it up, and really became an indie darling. Uh, and other, and then he got a nice gig with uh, DC a few years back, and I read uh, some of the stuff on there. Um, but yeah, I just you know it's one of those that I I, I, I scoffed at the beginning and uh, regret uh, not not getting in on the ground floor. And you know it's on it's on the uh the, the metaphorical bookshelf, right? It's not on the physical. It's not <laughs> the Physical <laughs> nightstand, it's on the metaphorical nightstand. Eventually, I'll get to it. Hopefully, before I die. If not, I'll get to it after I die.
0: Yeah, uh, you're yeah, funny, bro. Yeah, because he, like, uh, he did the true like lies of the dead, fabulous right? killjoys, also, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that is his, I believe that's his as well. Um, he did the doom Patrol for, for DC, um, yep. and that whole young animal line. Um, uh, no, he, he, you know, yeah, he's he's proven himself as, as a writer, definitely uh, of comics. So, yeah, um,
0: it's but it's stuff that's like out there, like it's it's you really have to say you know what this is way out there and i'm mm-hmm. okay with it and it's yeah. everything that he writes so um but i just thought it was just great so i thought it was worth mentioning so if you guys haven't seen it or if you haven't read it it's definitely worth a pickup and a read um it, i think it's what it's well how old is that it's definitely more than 10 right
1: uh yeah i think it's almost hit pushing 15 years now almost yeah right? yeah it's yeah. been a while we we'll get the uh, fact well, checkers t- on that. 2007
0: 2008 Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was it. That was uh, Apocalypse Suite. This was one of six, and then after that was Dallas. So, yeah, cool. And then Hotel Oblivion was the last one. All right. Um, off of that. So, yeah, guys, check it out. Um, I think you'd enjoy it. All right, let, let's get into the what we came to talk about, which is reviews <laughs> of comics. Uh, why don't you go first? Because we both read one that was the um, same and then yes. one a piece that was different. So why don't you start? Sure. Yeah, so with that in mind, we're going to go to
1: Vault Comics uh and their new uh series called mindset and mindset is written by zach Kaplan. uh the art is by john pearson and lettered by hassan otsamene elahu i hope i got that right uh that's close enough it's close enough yeah it's lettered well uh his name so it's legible um so and uh, uh so this is an interesting book so um Very much not the superhero genre. This is sort of falls in the 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 noir mystery genre with uh, a little cultural commentary, we'll say. So it basically starts with there was a murder of a very renowned venture capitalist uh, murdered by or the suspect is the main suspect is uh, someone whose project he had funded. So we are right at, thrown right into the questioning of this person. And this person insists that, yes, while he may have physically committed the murder, he was mind controlled into doing so. And so now we get into basically him telling the story of how we get to this point, uh, which brings him back to his college days at Stanford. Uh, and there's a, so, sort of a whole kind of thing where you meet you, know, you meet his, his team uh, of friends and developers, and they are pitching developing an app. Uh, that would help people curb their use of technology and apps. So, of course, the the backer says, why would we want to do that? We, we, you know, we, we want people to use things more and more and more. And he, this person's goal, the, the person pitching this project, our, our, our protagonist here, is saying, well, what's wrong with doing good? What's wrong with helping people? So that's sort of he's got it comes from a very altruistic point of view and he however is just short of graduating needs to complete one lab so he 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 arranges to find the one ta that's going to let him into the lab to do this thing oh minor shenanigans ensue along the way there
0: Mm. ultimately Mm.
1: he he's taking this lab and he discovers mind control through technology Mm, and that is where this first issue ends so we're still in <laughs> flashback and you get the idea, You know, you, I think you can see where it's gonna go. Obviously right. they're gonna apply this mind control to their app that's going to let people let go of technology. Uh, the blurb on the back cover kind of says, you know, but who's controlling who, right? That's the, kind of the big mystery. So yeah, you have a really interesting mystery where a guy is basically admitting to physically doing the crime. He wasn't in control of his mind when he did it. And this is the background story. Um, I found it very fascinating. Uh, it doesn't sound the most exciting yep. uh, in, in relaying it. Um, but I actually was very engaged and pulled along through, especially with the very unique artwork by uh, John Pearson. A uh, little bit collage, a little bit Dave McKean, a little bit Dave Mack. Uh, you know, uh, I, I really... Doug this the, the mood of this book and the way the art was 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 laid out. A lot of the two-page spreads that I like where you follow the panels across, a lot of just really nice colors to set the tone and the scenes. Like the flashbacks are very, you know, stark black and white primary colors versus the pastels. He loves to do a lot of these cityscapes and pastels. I just thought it was a gorgeous looking book and it really did help. Get engaged into the story, so it really did help pull pull you in. So I thought the writer and artist were working really well together on that. So I would I would recommend it. It's a little off the beaten path. It's uh, it's a little different, but I think there was a cool mystery setup, and I think it's executed really really well.
0: Mm. Cool. All right. Who do you think yeah. it'd be for? Uh,
1: I think it's for folks that do like a good mystery. I think it's folks who like. A little of the uh, not fully avant-garde art of, say, like a Sienkiewicz or like a Dave McKean, um, but almost like a halfway point, a midway between traditional and guys who really do push that boundary. Uh, But I think it it really people who like a nice, unique art style like that, I think they'll grasp to it. And then again, I think a lot of tech tech heads might get into this too just because of the ramifications of the you know the mind control through digital manipulation i think um it is is pretty well well done through this story
0: cool all right awesome so mindset from who uh Vault. vault your favorite
1: Yes, it is a $4.99 uh, f- uh, first <laughs> issue, but you know what? It's not a flimsy. It's not flimsy. It's got a nice little heavy cover, really nice pages. Yep. Uh, I had no problem with the four
0: ninety nine for that one. <laughs> no, I, I said my piece on that already. Um, all right, moving on. So I <laughs> got...
1: Reignite bad blood. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, another one from, uh, well, this is actually from Image Comics. It is called The Sins of the Black Flamingo. So you have it written by Andrew Wheeler, artist by Travis Moore, uh, colors by Tamra Bonvillian, uh, letters by Adita Bidikar. Um, All right, I'm going to start backwards on this one because this one, I I mean, you say don't judge a book by its cover, but you know exactly what you're going to get when you see the cover of this book um, in our respects. But what you do get inside is really, really beautiful art i mean the Mm colorist and the artist worked really well together to create these awesome just moods on each one of the pages uh facial expressions you can tell exactly what each character is feeling at any given moment in any panel which is really fucking hard to do um i'm gonna try to minimize my cursing because i think some kids listen to this Um, but (laughs) that's what happens when i get passionate <laughs> um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, just really. I mean, there's some detail in here that's just absolutely beautiful. Like I walked away um, with this book, just you know, with some ideas of, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. I'm gonna try that out, uh, kind of thing. So yeah, so kudos to the artist and the colorist working together and just bring a really nice mood to this book. Um, in that sense, um, as far as the writing is concerned, it was really easy to follow. Um, you, you get a gist of who the character is. So I'm going to take a little, uh, uh, read a little bit about the synopsis on it. And this this is the elevator. This is like the, the 10 second elevator pitch. But this one sentence here describes the entire book. So a flamboyant and narcissistic thief who gets his kicks, stealing mystic artifacts from the wealthy and corrupt of Miami's occult underground. Done. That is all you need to know because that's what it is. So he's, he's, he's uh, really sassy of the mouth. He's gay and proud. Uh, What I did find really unique about this, because on the cover, he's wearing sort of like a a Robin mask, right? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't cover the entire face, it's just the eyes and that part of the nose, like sort of like Green Lantern, Robin, uh, that stuff. But it has like uh, glitter stuff. So uh, what do you call that? Uh, Bedazzled. So his his mask is bedazzled. And And I'm over here rolling my eyes and I'm like, all right, he's gotta be gay. but he's got to take it over the top and bedazzle his mask. However, there's a function to the bedazzling, which was great. So basically when a camera hits the bedazzle, it blares out his or blurs out his face. So you can't identify uh. him through photograph a picture or anything like that, which I thought was great. So it's part of his outfit and his flamboyancy, but there's, there's, there's a function behind it which I thought was really great, because, you know, to do th- something just for doing something's sake is just like, ugh. um But when it has, like, there's a function or something behind it, a meaning, yeah. it makes it that much greater. So, yeah, so... Um, I-, I didn't have a problem. Yeah, It's funny, because I'm just thinking about, like, sexuality in comics, right? And we've had this conversation before, and is there a place for sexuality in comics, and people's identity of, of you know, what they choose to identify as and who I try has identified to choose to be with and i think it only becomes an issue when it's not relatable to you mm-hmm. does that mm-hmm. make sense so if you're, make sense, if you're yeah. reading a heterosexual comic book as a heterosexual there isn't any there's no sexuality in it because you you relate everything is where it needs to be in regards to your viewing of the world right Yes. But then if I'm not a gay person and I'm reading a gay character, for some people it becomes a problem because it's now they're writing about sexuality. But if you're reading any book that if you're a heterosexual and there's a heterosexual relationship in it, then that that is sexuality isn't it right yeah yeah it's just something that you relate to it, it it's so therefore
1: it, it sort of goes under the radar it passes for normal because it's normal to you correct and anything that is not isn't becomes an abomination but that's Seeing sort of the backlash to to jonathan kent and we're gonna we're gonna i want to dovetail just a second here the backlash to jonathan, jonathan kent and a lot of the people that were against the jonathan kent reveal were like sexuality was never an issue with superman before right. no it was you just never noticed it because it was a straight man who was pining for a straight woman who didn't recognize him for who he really was right, yeah, right sexuality right. was always a big part of superman right digression and done
0: <laughs> no bro, but, but then you go back and you look at the dialogue and you look at the flirting back and forth it's mm-hmm. it's always been there in comics and you, you know take uh spider-man and mary jane uh, take yeah. Batman and Catwoman; they do it all the time. Yeah, um, and so yeah, I think you. I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I was trying to stay away from normal and abnormal because it's not. It's it's what we've had in the past that's been right. set as sort of like the the status quo. And now that we have an introduction and an openness, not just in 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 the world, but now expanding into it mediums, it's being able to say, okay, you know what, this is part of it. For me, it stood out because I—it's not that I don't relate to it. It's just it, it, it stood out. I'm trying to find the right way to say it because there's there's no right way to say it. You just right. you don't you don't identify with it because you're not that. So it stands out a little bit more. It didn't. It. So with that being said, it didn't take away from the story um, at all. I thought the story was quite clever. I thought the way that it was written was quite clever. Um, so I think anybody who enjoys sort of like. A, a Robin Hood who steals from the wealthy, um, but sort of set in that occult kind of uh, frame. Yeah, it, it's fucking cool. Um, with that be said? <laughs> if they can get over themselves in regards to uh, how somebody identifies sexually, then they'll 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 dive right into this book and have no problem with it. Um, I, I dig... I dig that there's
1: like this Mi- Miami underground occult mafia thing. That that's kind of a cool hook.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, it's fucking Miami, which is so funny. But you know, there's this and then there's a riff on like the only thing that I think that, and I, maybe maybe it'll change over time is you have a person who feels like the world is really going to shit, and there's like really only sees the bad in humanity, and mm-hmm. so there's no real vision of what's good. So he's doing what he's doing because he wants to get rid of the pieces of shit, like the Nazis and the supremacists and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's never any mention of, of the good stuff, which I hope there is, because if mm-hmm. one-sided that way, then it makes the book a little bit more bleak. And this person is just doing everything in their power to just, you know, shit on everybody that's shitting on the world, which is mm-hmm. okay. But why? Does it make it better? Is it to, you know, whatever that you have two parts of the story right you have the very beginning where he's setting the whole thing up and he's kind of helping out this couple um um with whatever problem that they have and they sort of have like this golem in their house um that belonged to the gentleman's grandfather i believe and so he's going through this whole thing of into this uh uh museum that's in florida out of all places that's called like the heritage and cultural museum but mm-hmm. goes into the basement and there's all this nazi stuff and all this like artifacts and everything, and he he gets this one artifact uh, that kind of looks like a, a, I would say, like a little disc, uh, but made of gold and stuff like that. Um, And then he takes it, and he leaves his signature, you know, freaking uh, Black Flamingo. Uh, And it's funny, because he's monologuing through this whole thing, and as he's putting down the Black Flamingo, he's saying, yeah, I'm putting this down here, because I always picture that if I ever get caught, then it was like I wanted to get caught. Like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to in a couple of years, I'm going to have like this detective that's assigned uh, to my case. And we're going to play this back and forth uh, banter of, you know, two lovers just going back and forth at it until he finally captures me. And then I'm going to be like, see, I knew you were going to get me. You were always going to. I just found it fucking hilarious because it was a spoof on sort of like what we've already seen. Sort of like it, it... With Batman and uh, Gordon. Um, but
1: it, it's like his ambition. It's like he, he, he's, he, he wants to live out these superhero tropes.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Because he's like, I he's I making this... fun of them, but it wants to go through them as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, so he takes the, the, the artifact that brings it back to um, the gentleman and his wife and ends up putting the artifact into the golem's mouth. It's like this big statue. And then the, the statue comes to life, and it was actually the, the lover of his grandfather. So it was a a male golem and it was, you know, he had a secret and and he had to die with a secret and stuff like that. So Hmm. uh, I thought it was quite funny. And then they have this little banter back and forth um, about how he'll get adjusted to the time and then how his uh, grandkids will take care of him and stuff like that. And then that leads us into the main portion of the story, which leads into the next mission that he's going to get, which is this demonic collar. Um, It's a a collar that you wrap around a demon's neck, take control of the demon. And so that's his next mission that he's trying to get because he's trying to get people that may want to use it for evil purposes. Uh, hmm. So that brings us to this big mansion. There's like all these people, and there was something that happened in the book where, like, he touched one of these guys, and there was like a vision of all these demons. And I don't know if that's a power or something that he has. It wasn't really clear to me. I think it might be visions that he gets when he touches evil um cool. and then yeah which was really great and, and that 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 two-page spread was just wonderful you just saw like everybody that was in the party just automatically became their evil selves so like these hmm. golems or freaking zombies or whatever um and so the woman that he works with i believe is like a sort of like a witch or a spellcaster so he asked for her to you know create a diversion because he wants to go see if he can you know find this thing and so she goes up to like this woman and creates sort of like a hex and tells her, you know, you're, you're, you don't really care about your kids or whatever. You want to take that chair, throw it out the window. Goes to another guy and says, blah, 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 blah. You want to start a fire. And they fucking do what they're supposed to do. So she threw a hex on them. And then basically at the very end is where you get the big reveal of the collar. But who's inside the collar is an even bigger reveal that I'm not going to reveal. And I went, <laughs> oh. I went, oh, crap, that's pretty cool. So all yeah. said and done, if you can get past you know, sort of like the, the sexuality of the book or the sexual identification of the book, I think you'd really enjoy the story because the story is actually really uh, enthralling. Um, mm-hmm. And I found it to be just the art really fantastic. Uh, you know, some of the writing, sometimes when you're dealing with, you know, a narcissistic flamboyant, that's like that's like the the cream of the top. And then you put a little bit more cream on top. So mm-hmm. it, it can be a lot for some people when you're reading it because what is a narcissist somebody's just completely up, uh, you know obsessed with themselves and their view of yeah. the world and whatever it is but then you put flamboyancy on top of that it's like all right so they're, they're it's it's one level higher on top of that and it's written that way and it just it works it works so uh this book is for anybody who likes sort of like that, that occult stuff and it's sort of like that noir so that all that monologuing is like uh dick tracy talking to himself while he's trying to solve a case kind i of like thing. that so that's how you <laughs> yeah yeah, I do too, and so most of the monologuing is that is what they're thinking as they're doing it, so they can talk themselves through it. But it's right. it's not just, it, but it's entertaining for the reader. Uh, so yeah, I, I would give this a shot. The the flamboyancy
1: I, it is over the top, but it's not. Um, it's it's not offensive, right? It's not. No, sort no, no, of no, like, no. Yeah, no. it's it's done with a an eye towards inclusivity, as opposed to I'm thinking. I keep thinking of things like the rawhide kid miniseries from from 20 years ago or Mm. um uh you made me think of the the that movie from the 80s with george hamilton zorro the gay blade right um you know where what zorro breaks his leg he has to get his gay cousin to take his place and buddy (laughs) wigglesworth is like all sequined out and like you know and, and again like as a kid, you, you find the humor in it, you find it funny. I have not revisited that movie. I don't know if it's problematic now, but right. um, it is an early instance, you know, of of putting a gay lead in a super, a main, a, you know, a, a, what is a mainstream right. male right. hetero superhero role. So, um, so I thought that was that was funny. I thought it was cool. Uh, I don't know how that movie is looked at these days, but I, I get shades of that here in this right. the, the 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 black flamingos sort of presentation.
0: Well, let me put it this way. So this would be similar to Hit Me. Okay. All right. So I don't know anything about the S&M world at all. But the Mm -hmm. way that it's written is really inclusive. So like the information that you're getting along the way are tidbits. So it's not an informational, you know, magazine, but you're you're getting bits and pieces of that world that make you understand why that world exists and why people choose it. So this would be similar to that as well. So this is something that I, you know, yeah. So um, I, I liked it. So I think I'm going to pick up the second issue just because of that that last page reveal. Just where it goes and stuff like that because I went, oh, crap, yeah. I want to see where this goes because it's funky. So yeah, Black Flamingo <laughs> from Image Comics. If you want to check it out, check it out. All right, uh, cool. why don't you start the last one? Yeah, so
1: this is also from Image Comics and it is a uh, one-man band here, Chip Zadarsky. Mm-hmm. public domain issue one um chib zadarsky you know i, I known mainly as, a, as as a writer uh but does also you know do art does a lot of covers There's a, lot, a lot of covers for books that he writes um but this is him doing the uh the writing and the art uh edited by Allison o'toole Ch- public domain chapter one weren't we the bad guys you know what? I, this is really like so. This is inside baseball, comic book satire. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, I mean, and it's the and the a big Jags, topic of
0: discussion that's been you know bit ongoing right for the long right
1: and 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 part of what we have also been talking about. Uh, You know, in the last few weeks, really trying to nail down what is an indie comic, small press, creator owned stuff. This is all about creator rights. This is all about the, the conflicts that can arise when two creators don't get along, but also that that IP gets sold. Uh, To to a bigger, you know, or, or, or you know transformed by a bigger corporate corporate umbrella and becomes a worldwide hit Mm. Uh, And then you have everybody basically vying for ownership and I think he does a great job of nailing it the comic company that becomes movie studio is singular comics mm-hmm. uh the character in question is called the domain mm-hmm. uh and um you know the mo- there's the mo- next movie and their their uh singular comic their singular cinematic universe phase 5 they call it yeah. <laughs> uh that is being released uh the two creators uh Jerry and Sid don't get along mm-hmm. uh Jerry the writer lives this very lavish lifestyle S- uh, Sid Dallas. The, the artist uh, is is sort of not, you know, he's living a very mundane suburban life. You know, he's got two kids. One's that, you know, the the stereotypical tr- troublemaker and the other one is, you know, th- our focus or the one who's trying to do right in the world and uh, be a journalist, even though he's an entertainment journalist. And unfortunately, he has to interview the actor in this movie. And it's just I don't know, everything in this really worked for me. um I I just I thought the jabs were great. I thought what it had to say about comics. And there's one line in here that really, I think, sells this and just something that I just really love this statement. And it comes towards the back end of the book. But one one character says to Sid Dallas, the, the artist, um how she loves comics the movies are great but there's something mm-hmm. magical about just a couple of people creating worlds on a page mm-hmm. and that's to me yes chib loves comics and that and he's he's putting his love of comics it, on this page but he's also putting his frustrations too on this page and right. it just worked it really clicked for me so i'm really excited to see where this goes and i love the cliffhanger ending and i love the sort of trading places element that we might see going forward yes
0: know? yes it was that was the best line of the entire comic actually um i agree so this this reminded me of sort of like a uh, uh bill finger and bob kane situation yep right so you have one person doing something, the other person um doing something, and then one person being able to take all the credit yeah. um, off of this and ownership for such yeah. a long time. And mm-hmm. so you have the same relationship where you have two people to create it a bit, one person has ownership of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would that's the writer in this instance that becomes yeah. that big company. Um and then you have, yeah, Sid who's getting the uh the mm-hmm. low end of it. Um, yeah.
1: I, I, I mean, you also you you definitely have the I mean the, the clear Stanley Jack Kirby yes uh, Stanley yes, Steve yes. Dicko, Stanley anybody Stanley worked yes. with <laughs>
0: yes yes in, in that respects but yeah so the, I think the only thing for me is that when you when you're reading something like this and it, for me it's not bad or good this is just me just you know dissecting this and just thinking out loud um, it's it's one sided. Right. So mm-hmm. right now. So any any time or anytime that we've gotten this type of message across, it's coming from the creative end. And I understand the frustrations of it. So you're getting that one end where you're getting all the digs into a big company, making the money and the creators getting nothing. Uh, but those people are always depicted as evil and assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think all of them are evil and assholes. And I think, oh, so you know what? I take it back because who do we have? We have the the assistant, right? This Jerry's uh, assistant who is not is, evil or an asshole. Yeah, and uh, and
1: and and Jerry, I wouldn't, I don't want to say that Jerry is evil. I think he just he's, he's an succumbed. Asshole. Well, yeah. he he succumbed. He was weak. And he didn't have, I think, the moral grounding that Sid had. I think the important thing is the family aspect. And even though, like, one of Sid's kids is, is you know kind of like a Jerry, right? He's, you know, he's, he's constantly coming up with these weird schemes. He's always lying to his parents about why he can't go to things for, with them. Um, you know, I, 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 and then you have like the other, the more proper son who has a freak out moment and, you know, does what he does to the actor of the movie, right? So it it's it, it sort of, um, I, I'm wondering if we're going to see a, like I said, a trading places moment. I wonder yes. if we're going to see more of Jerry and why Jerry the way he is. And we're going to see Jerry in a more sympathetic light. And we might see on the flip side of that, how Sid without giving it away, how it affects Sid's and his family in a way that is opposite from how we're introduced. Yeah, to
0: Yeah. Them. That'd be interesting. That'd yeah. be really interesting. Um, yeah. Cause I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think we are going to get sort of like a trading places um, kind of scenario here, which is cool. Because I mm-hmm. wanna see how, how, how that's handled. Um, and so this is this is comic book teledrama or mm-hmm. telenovelas. So <laughs> if you love comic books and you like and I don't mean just like superhero comic books, but you love the idea, the medium, uh, you love the creation process, you love, you know, you fi- you have your artists, your writers that you follow, this is a great book to read because it really deals with the conflict of, you know, what happens behind the scenes. When something becomes really popular and what happens to those people, how it changes mm-hmm. those people, how it doesn't change certain people, how it affects their lives. So that's what I really liked about it. And so, and we only really got Sid's story right now. We, we haven't gotten Jerry's story right. other than the way that he's been acting in regards to, oh, he's got to stand behind me 10 feet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk to him kind of thing. And that's why I thought he was just an asshole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so that 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 underlying story is there of, you know, taking care of creators. Um but yeah, it's it's going to come down to what it always comes down to, right, which is money. Um mm-hmm. and once money's involved, then greed is involved and, and relationships that I mean, look at what happened to Eastman, right? And what's his face? Mm-hmm. So Laird. Yeah. What's so, his face? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> See? That's what happened to him. <laughs> that, that's what happens. <laughs> uh and it just happens, you I mean, especially when you have um one person writing and one person drawing and and you have this collaboration um and you create this thing together and what's like honestly if you think about it what's more important the writer or the artist in your mind
1: i i I think it's a symbiotic uh relationship you know and and i think what's it's really funny that this is also being laid out by the a guy who's a writer and artist right right and you know and i think that's an interesting sort of way for him to approach it uh but yeah i mean it's true because we do you know, yeah, there are you know, marquee so, artists. There yeah. are artists that we we don't care who's writing the book. We pick the book up because of the artist and vice versa. So it's, Correct. And it's, it's, there are very it.
0: few light ships, Darsky who can draw and write. So if we're looking at, you know, Schuster and, um, oh my God, what do I forget? The What's other his one. face? Seagull. Yes, <laughs> so if we look at them, would we have gotten a Superman if we never had a Seagull? Right. Right, right. With the happiness yeah. woman. and that's so. It starts with the written word, but what we see visually ends with the artist. Yeah. And so,
1: well, but in the case with Batman, it started with. A, a, a drawing yeah. that Bob Kane presented to Bill Finger, the writer, and the writer was like Adding this on. is a really good start, <laughs> but let's make it better. Yeah.
0: So isn't that fucking crazy? Oh okay. yeah, that's not yeah. person. See, now I'm getting passionate. So it's crazy. So <laughs> so where do so is it a fifty fifty, sixty forty, whatever it is. So and I think that's that's what that's why this book is great. But this book goes beyond that, and it goes when that IP becomes sort of like part of that corporation. Um, and and how
1: other and the other thing i like too is how other people on like the film end of it claim the ownership
0: Right. oh my god that, that you know? yeah that, that, and, that and how
1: how these parasites sort of latch on to the i the concept of the idea and the bigger that balloon gets like the more things try to you know get, claim it. it i thought that was really well handled and well done in that
0: yes I, you guys you have to read this book just because that had exchange between you know sid's son who's you know this uh aspiring writer journalist. Um, and the actor, and he says, if you say <laughs> mythology, one more time, stop saying mythology. Uh, it, it's just, it, it was just good, because he was just, I could understand his frustrations, and then you're, you're right, like, once at yeah. least, and, and the fact that the the actor didn't read any of the material at right. all, and then- You go back to the source material. Gave and his the, true feelings about yeah. it, was just, it. It was just, it was great. It was funny, it was good. And,
1: and even the director at the end, I think, you know, probably thanking the studio yes. more for playing and getting to play in the sandbags and sort of undercutting the, the thanks to the creators, and, 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 you know, how, how you see Sid's reaction, you know, to what he's watching. Like I just, yeah, it was just, it was really well done. It was good. I'm looking
0: forward to reading the rest of this chip. You, you did something good here. Yeah, um, hopefully, yeah. the payoff is really well. I mean, reading most of the stuff, it, it, I'm sure it will. So, yeah, guys, I pick can't it up.
1: wait for the inevitable adi- uh, live action adaptation <laughs> on Netflix or <laughs> Amazon Prime. <laughs>
0: That's going to be great. Uh, Public Domain by Chip Zadarsky, Image Comics. Pick it up, guys. You will not be disappointed with this one. Um, all right, those are our three books that we have for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy the reviews. You want to go to your local comic shop support and pick up any one of these uh, three copies or pick up all three. Where did you get your comics from, Phil?
1: Why I get my comics at the Joker's child in Fairlaw, New Jersey. And I actually prepared of like, you know, it's becoming my item of the week and uh, I'm still going to go with the item of the week, uh, but it, uh, it's sold out. So when you go to the Joker's child, to, you know, and we don't have this, we'll get it for you. We'll we we're, I think we're going to get it on a reorder anyway. Uh, but the item of the week that you can get at the Joker's child or any other shop, but preferably the Joker's child when we get them back in the question omnibus volume one this is uh, a tribute to a great writer editor denny o'neill uh look him up but you know his stuff you know his stuff but this was a book that came out in the late 80s and this is like you know after alan moore's Watchmen and before neil Gaiman's sandman you get the question this was an indie comic vibe published by a mainstream publisher uh so if you get a chance to, to, to check out any of this stuff check it out. The great thing about this omnibus, it also reprints the letters columns, which is a lost art in comics these days. And yep. every letter column, let Denny O'Neill would not only engage with the readers, but he would also do a recommended reading list. So so a real nice little little time capsule in, in, in hardcover for, for you there. Uh, so yeah, if you get a chance to pick this up, c- celebrate Fourth of July weekend with uh, the most unpatriotic uh, comic character to ever grace the Fourth
0: colored uh, pages uh vick sage the question fantastic all right so uh <laughs> yeah if you're ever in uh fellow new jersey uh stop by say hello to fellow myself and uh yeah well maybe we'll say hi back um, maybe if you like what you're hearing make sure you click subscribe to the podcast if you want to be on a podcast your creator you want to promote yourself and or something you have coming up just go to amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast fill out the form and we'd love to have you on Uh, Make sure that you stay up to date on everything Amazing Action Comics because we do have stuff coming down the pipeline, which is really exciting and amazing. Go to AmazingActionComics.com and stay up to date on all the information there. All right, kiddos, that is all that we have for you this week. Until next time, please be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing.